Brilliant. Ah, oh, it's nice to see you guys. Oh, you look a little bit tired. Um, great. Look, guys, I have some exciting news. This morning, I get to crack open a fresh series, yes, that we are doing. Yeah, thanks. Someone got excited. That's good. Um, we are actually doing, now this is going to be like a five threads series called Armed and Dangerous. Uh, and I get to, to crack this open this morning. So this is really exciting. I'm really excited about it. Um, can you turn to the person next to you and tell them, we're going to do a bit of turn to the person next to you and tell them this morning, what is one thing, one like everyday normal object that you've ever been injured by? Okay, just a normal object that you wouldn't think would hurt you, but in actual fact, it absolutely broke you. Okay, guys, bring it back together. Give me some highlights. Shout some objects at me. Yeah. A TV, Ben. The floor. We can't really escape the floor. Patrick. Say that again. A fidget spinner. Oh, we like little toy things. Wow. What happened? You dropped it on your eye. Wow. That's quite something. Maisie. A ball. Yaha. Any others? Ryan? A pillow. How were you injured by a pillow? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, pillow zips. They, they are tricky because you think you're safe and then a zip gets you in the eye. One more, Isaac. Yeah, pirate ship. Pirate ship. Okay, for me, there have been two particular instances that were particularly bad. One is a plug. Now, yeah, right. So these little plugs you have in the wall, you think you're having a nice time. I was on the phone to someone and I was so excited about what I was talking about. I jumped up in the air, came back down, landed on this plug that was this way up. It, it got plugged into my foot. It went through my flesh and I had to shake this plug out of my foot and I had two holes in my foot for weeks off the back of that. It was very painful. Another one that I had actually involved my husband and um, uh, I was sat, um, I think, on a sofa or something and, and Andy went to leave the room and I must have said something really, really cheeky to Andy because um, what he did uh, is that he picked up a bin and went to... Not in like an aggressive way, but just kind of threw it towards me to be like, oh, you're so silly. What happened was the bin hit me in the eye and I got a massive black eye and a swollen face. And then everyone who was like, what, what happened to your face? I was like, he was my boyfriend at the time. I was like, my boyfriend threw a bin at my face. Um, but who would have thought? Do you know, there are so many things in our lives that we... Um, and we come into contact with. And it's not until we have these intense experiences of them that we actually realise that these things that we encounter every day are actually really, really dangerous. And this is exactly what this series is about. That there are some things in our lives that we come into contact with weekly, that we hear about all the time, but we don't realise that they're dangerous. We don't realise that they're weapons, but weapons that we can actually use in our relationship with God in a really positive way. So this morning, I am talking about worship. And I'm really excited to be talking about worship. You see, every time you go into a place where you can worship, every time where you come into a setting like this, up in church, uh, maybe at an event, a, a massive event, at a tiny event, in your bedroom on your own, whenever you have the opportunity to worship, God is handing you a weapon. And I'm going to talk this morning about how you can best use that. Right, next thing I want you guys to chat about. What is one thing that puts you in a really bad mood? 
Okay, chat to the person next to you. What is one thing that puts you in a really bad mood? Okay, right. What we got? What puts people in a bad mood? Yeah. Yeah, done, yeah. Your alarm, like your alarm in the morning? Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. Maths are, yeah, maths puts me in a well bad mood. Uh, Angel? Fake friends. Different to fake news. Nicole? Jordan? Oh, George? Sorry. You bring, you bring many of us such joy. Thomas? Oh, people calling you fat. Yeah, that makes you really annoyed. Maisie? Hay fever. Hay fever makes you mad. One more. Uh, ben? When you're so popular that you're trying to go to sleep and your phone just keeps on pinging. There's an off button, Ben. There's an off button. Okay. Do you know, one thing that makes me really... Actually, the, probably the thing that makes me most annoyed and puts me in the worst mood, it's not a day when you have one thing go wrong. But when it's like thing after thing after thing after thing goes wrong, and it, as it goes, they're just little things, but you get more and more angry the day, as the day goes on. You're like, I've dropped my keys! And you just get really mad about stuff that's not even a big deal, but you get so wound up as the day goes on, you just end up in a really bad mood, and you're having a bad day. I want to spend some time showing you some guys that had a really bad day. So we are going to go to Acts 16. Uh, the verses are going to come up on the screen, and I'm going to read them to you. They say this. This is Acts 16:16. 16, 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she had predicted the future. Now, um, so th- these guys are going along... And you've, you've, you make this woman who can predict the future. She earned a great deal of money uh, by, from, by, for her owners by fortune-telling. Next slide. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, you've met this woman. This is the first thing in your day. You've met this woman who's a little bit odd. You're going to find out that she's got a demon. She's a bit of a strange one. And then she starts following you around and shouting, these men are the servants of the Most High God. Like, that's annoying for a day. And then she kept this up for many days. Imagine, right, you've got a mate who just follows you for days shouting, the same sentence at you again and again. That would wind me up. That would make me moody. Okay, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Now, you'd think the day's getting better. It's going to be okay. Things are going to improve. However, when her owners realized that their hope of money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So, first of all, you meet meet this weird lady. Then she starts shouting at you. Then she follows you around for days shouting at you. You try to help her. The people who know her get really mad and bring you to the police. Then those people brought them before the magistrates, like the court, and said, uh, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd, the crowd, there's more people, they then get involved, join in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates order them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Okay, you've met an annoying woman. She starts shouting at you. She starts shouting at you for days. You try to help her. These guys drag you to the police station. They take you to the court. All of a sudden, the whole town hates you. They strip you. They beat you with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. This is a bad day. And then... Next, 
When they received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. So not only they don't get a room with a view, they get the darkest, wettest, coldest, most rubbish room in the prison. And then they think, just in case you think you're having a nice time, I'm now going to tie your feet together. And they'll have had chains on their wrists. However, despite this, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Man, they had a bad day. They had a really rubbish day. And yet still, somehow, at midnight, they are singing and praising God and the people around them are listening to them. Do you know, sometimes when I come, come into a place uh, where, I, where I'm going to worship Jesus, maybe I'm at home, I'm supposed to start my quiet time, maybe I'm in somewhere like this, maybe I'm like at, at, up in main church, maybe it's like a church event that I'm at, and I'll have had a really bad day, and in all honesty, I stand there and I just think, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. My day's been rubbish, I'm tired, I can't be bothered, I just, I don't, I'm just going to stand here. Do you ever see people like that in church? Sometimes, I think, the people who stand there, and they just stand there, and they look, and everyone else around them is having a great time, they're having the best time ever, they're dancing around, and yet the people just they're like this. Do you know, I look at those people, and I think that they don't realize something. Something that I, as I've written this talk, have realized massively about myself. Often, when I don't like worship, when I don't enjoy worship, when I don't want to engage with worship, the biggest barrier in that is me. It's my mood. I can't be bothered, if I'm honest, sometimes. I don't like the song. I don't want to feel awkward because nobody else is worshipping. No one else is kind of having a nice time, so I'm just going to stand there as well. I'm hungry. I've got a headache. I don't feel like it. Um, I'm looking forward to watching TV later rather than being here. The biggest barrier which is stopping you from using a worship as a weapon is you. And we're going to talk a little bit later on about what it means to use worship as a weapon and what it looks like to get over that. But you know, You guys have a weapon that God is handing you when you come into a space where you can worship. Now, worship, I think, is something that you carry. There are people in this room that love worship. And I see when worship happens. And I watch people carrying worship, really loving it, really engaging in it. And what that doesn't mean is that they're people who are great musicians. That you don't have to be able to be musical. I am not musical to love love music, to, to, to carry worship. Now, if you think of it like this, who here knows someone who's really, really happy? Like, all the time, they're just a happy person. Do you guys know someone? Do you guys know people like that? I know someone like that. When I thought about that, do you know who I thought of? Nathan Motin. He's not in here this morning, I don't think. He was at the first service. But Nathan, I have never seen Nathan look angry or annoyed or sad. It doesn't matter what you do. When we were away um, at the youth weekend a few weekends ago, we were making him crawl on his belly through things. We were like, he, he was, we were doing all sorts. And he was just delighted with everything. Why? Because he's someone who carries joy. It doesn't matter the situation he is in, he carries joy. And for people who carry worship, it is the same. It doesn't matter what your circumstance. It doesn't matter if the songs are rubbish. It doesn't matter if you need a wee. Anything. If you carry worship, you you will worship whatever happens. But it doesn't start like that. It starts as a choice. How many of you guys are in fitness crew? Give me me a little noise if you're in fitness crew. Give me a noise. Yes. So those of you in fitness crew, on Wednesday night, we went for a little run run, went for a little jog around Hells Owen. We had a good time. You guys did really well. Now, I have been running for a few years now. 
And now, if I don't go for a run, I get proper grumpy. I get really, really moody. Um, but I didn't always like running. I used to hate it. And what would have to happen is every time I went out for a run, I would have to choose. I would literally almost have to pick myself up and drag myself out the door to go running until it became something I loved. And then it was something that I carried. You see, falling in love with Jesus, choosing to worship him does start as a choice. And the more that we do that and the more that we engage with it, something changes in us. And then it becomes something you carry. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter who's around you. You just carry this desire to connect with God and to know him because you understand that worship is a weapon. You see, when you carry worship, it doesn't matter if you've had a rubbish day. It doesn't matter whether you're down here, whether you're up in main church, whether it's threads up in the evening, threads PM. It doesn't matter whether you're something like Soul Survivor or Weekend Away. It doesn't matter if you're on your own in your bedroom. If you carry worship, where you are doesn't matter. You just want to connect with God because you understand that worship is a weapon. And I know, looking around here, I see people in this room that carry worship with them. And I see in rooms, because I, I do, as part of my job, I go and speak at youth groups and at things, and I see during worship, when there are people who carry worship, what happens is they engage with worship, and then it breaks out from around them. One person releases something, and the whole room begins to change. And so if you're someone who carries worship here this morning, then I would really encourage you to learn how to use your weapon, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. So... Let us move on. Can you turn to the person next to you? What is one thing that you do when you're scared? Okay, so you're scared of something. What do you tend to do? Some people scream, some people cry, some people punch things. What do you do when you're scared? Go. Okay. Right. What are some things that you guys do when you're scared? Sarah? Yeah, you chew the inside of your mouth. Yeah, I've got that one. Yeah. Your legs turn to jelly, wobbly legs. Who else have we got? Ryan? You do what? Oh, a gag. Like, like, sick gag. Yeah, mad. Yeah, make it at the back. You hide. Let's go for over here, Molly. You bite your fingernails, Angel. You sit on the roof. Wow. Adam. You just faint. No way. No one's scared Adam. We'll have to pick him up off the floor. Okay. I want to tell you what I do when I'm scared, right? And this is like when I'm proper scared. Not just when like I'm a bit nervous, but when I'm really, really scared. It sounds ridiculous. I actually sing worship songs really, really loud. Now, that sounds like that's an odd thing to do, but it's even more odd when I tell you the context in which I've actually done this. Um, a little while ago, I went to Alton Towers. I've told some of you guys this story before. And, um, and I went around. I went at Halloween, uh, which was my first mistake. And they had this massive haunted house. And I get really easily scared anyway. But um, they had this huge haunted house. And the guys that I was with really wanted to go in. And I thought, oh, okay. But if you want to go in, sure, I'll come too. But anyway, I went in. And it was genuinely really, really scary. And uh, in all honesty, 
I think I've told you this before. I did wet myself a little bit because I was so scared. And then we went through this particular room and like there was this really thin like corridor thing and there were all these people in there with like zombie makeup on with like flesh hanging off. It was really bad. And then they would move these picture frames and people's faces would appear like here going (laughs) and stuff. And I, it was just, it was too much for me. And so what I did is I, I kind of crouched down like this and I put my arms around this guy in front of me, who I did know is the good news. But he, he doesn't know Jesus, which makes this even more weird. And I just started singing worship songs really loud. And the only one that I can ever think of is Shine, Jesus, Shine. So I'm going through, going, Shine, Jesus, Shine. And this guy is like, what is she doing? And that was also when I wet myself a little bit. I was so scared. The other time when I've done this right is, um, I, it was a little while ago, Andy was away. And I thought someone was breaking into our house. So I was really scared. Now, I live in one of these three-story houses. Um, so I was in the bedroom at the top, and I had this... Um, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, what's that noise? Someone's definitely trying to break into our house. What am I going to do? I'm on my own. Now, reasonable people would maybe have called someone, would have texted someone. What I thought was, right, find the nearest weapon. <laughs> the only weapon I could find was, like, a towel rail, like one of these really massive, like, floor to, like, here towel rails. So I pick up this towel rail... And I start creeping out the house and down the stairs, at which point my scared worship singing comes in. So then I'm going down my stairs. We're holding a towel going, shine, Jesus, shine. Right, if you're a burglar, right, and you've broken into my house and you're thinking, I'm just going to get a PS4. All of a sudden, there's this nutter still at the top of the stairs singing, shine, Jesus, shine at you. You are going to run. Do you know what I'm saying? But do you know, I don't know why, why I do it, but there's something inside of me when I sing worship songs that just changes. If I can focus on Jesus in that moment, that fear goes. Something happens in my spirit that says, do you know what? Jesus has got this. I'm okay. And yes, outwardly, it looks very odd. But that is because worship is a weapon. There is power in praise. You know, if you're sat even now in here this morning going, you know what, I'm not going to listen to this talk. This is a load of rubbish. You are literally saying no to a weapon that we are handing you that can make a difference to the fear that you have, to the way that you see yourself, to the fears you have about your body image, to the things that terrify you, for your anxiety, for the things that are breaking your heart. All of these things are, are, are nothing compared to the power of worship. Power in praise. That is so much power. As we worship, God changes things. Let's read the next few verses. This is back to Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, so they're praising and worshipping. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. How incredible is that? Do you know that there are verses in the Bible that talk about the fact that the whole world is God's? In Psalm 24 verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and its people belong to him. In Psalm 66, it says, Everything on the earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. When we worship, this sounds weird, okay? This sounds really weird. Bear with me. Faith, you're listening, girls. When we worship, this sounds very odd, but physical things happen when we worship. Worship has power because the whole earth was created for God. 
And so when we worship, it affects things. Now, for example, in this story, there's this massive earthquake. And you could say, well, there was just an earthquake. It was completely coincidence that these guys worshipped and things that were physical changed. Have you ever known an earthquake that undoes locks on handcuffs? No. It wasn't a coincidence. When we worship, stuff changes and stuff happens. There is a physical reaction when worship takes place because the world belongs to God and we were created to worship God. I want to tell you other stories. So if you think about, in, for those of you maybe who haven't been around church that long, um, there's a story in the Bible um, where these guys march around a city for days and days and days and they, what are they doing? They're trying to make the city fall. How do they bring this city down? They walk around banging stuff and singing songs. They bring a city to the ground through their worship. This song, this song, this story, where they sing and stuff changes. Do you know, I've been in rooms where as people have worshipped, God has physically healed their bodies. Um, there have been girls where, who, who couldn't walk, and then all of a sudden, through worship, no one didn't even pray for them, because they were worshipping God, their legs were healed, and they were able to dance around the room we were in. I've been in rooms where I've seen the atmosphere change. I have seen, like, you know, like a smoke machine fills a room with smoke. There was no smoke machine. But the room filled with like the thick presence of God in like this smoke because people were worshipping. I was chatting to Angel yesterday and she was telling me that a couple of people went down to Soul Survivor yesterday to a worship conference. And a few of our guys got healed. Why? Because there is power in worship. When you worship, things physically change. There is power in worship. It is a weapon that we can use. And so we have to ask ourselves, if stuff happens when we worship, then why the chuff is it so difficult? Why is it so hard to want to worship? When we're stood in church and we don't feel like it, why is it difficult? I will tell you why I think that is. I think it is difficult because as I believe that there is a God who loves you, a God who cares for you, a God who wants to know you, I actually also believe that there is the devil. And the devil... uh, What he wants is to hurt God. And the best way that he can possibly hurt God is by hurting you and by stopping you having a relationship with God. And you see, before the devil became the devil, before he kind of got kicked out of heaven for being naughty, what happened was that the devil used to be an angel. And what angels do is they stand in the presence of God and they worship him. They just worship and they know the power of worship and they know the power of praise. And Satan knows how powerful worship is. So if he can stop you worshipping, if he can stop you connecting with God, he will do that because he knows how powerful it is. And so he'll make you think, I just can't be bothered, I can't. I don't even like this song, this song's rubbish. I don't think that person can even sing. This isn't like my church. At my church we do this. This isn't like that festival where it was really good. This sucks. And he'll make worship about you. Because as soon as it's about you, it's not about God. If you think right back at the Garden of Eden, I'm going off on one now. But if you think right back to the Garden of Eden, what he did when he made Adam and Eve take that apple off that tree was that he made it about them. You want to know all the knowledge. This is about you. And all of a sudden, we were all in a big fat mess. The devil doesn't change how he does stuff. Same tricks, different thing. He wants to stop you worshipping God, knowing God, experiencing the weapon that is worship by making you think that this is all about you. So do you know what I want to say? Every single time you're in a worship situation where you don't want to engage, do you know what, I'd say the same with talks actually, but particularly worship for this morning, when you don't want to engage, that is when you press in more. Because there's something for you on the other side of that. 
Do you know some of the most intimate times when I've worshipped, when I've ended up on my knees with tears running down my face, have often started when I have not wanted anything to do with worship. The most intimate experience I've had with God have been the times when I just could not be bothered. And so I want to say, when you struggle, press in. Okay, we're going to wrap up. Next couple of verses. Suddenly, there's this violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison are shaken. At once, all of the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. Drama! But... Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. This is the most rubbish prison break you have ever seen. They sing worship, there's an earthquake, the doors fly open, the chains fell off and everyone stays right where they are. Weird. This guy, this can you, the poor jailer, like what a stress. All of a sudden he wakes up, everyone can get out, you don't know how it's happened. But then everyone's just stayed where they were, you're like, guys. Come on, you could have just got out then, and they chose not to. But we need to ask ourselves why. And I believe that it's this. There was more power where they were than where they wanted to be. Okay, so if you think of these guys in this prison cell, I'm sure they didn't want to be there. They'd much be rather having a cool diet Coke with their friends in an evening, sitting around, watching a film, getting a pizza. No, these guys were stuck in prison. This was not where they wanted to be. But they recognized that when they, their worship was more powerful where they were than where they wanted to be. You see, what went on to happen is this jailer guy, he's like, why on earth are you still here? They're like, well, let me tell you about Jesus. He comes to know Jesus. Not only does he come to know Jesus, his entire household comes to know Jesus. And loads of the prisoners come to know Jesus. Because they made to worship, because they chose to worship in the situation they were in, God used that powerfully. And they recognized that they weren't waiting for circumstances to change to worship God. They weren't waiting for something to be different. They weren't waiting until they felt like it. They weren't waiting until their, their surroundings weren't a prison and it was much nicer. They recognized that when they worshipped where they were right now, that is where the power was. You know, when we worship, our circumstances don't always change. We don't always, um, I'm, what I'm not saying is you're going to worship and, and you're going to give everything to God and then all of a sudden God's going to give you £20,000. It's going to be great. Our circumstances don't always change. But when we worship, we change. What's around you may not change, but what is in the inside of you certainly will. You know, I um, heard this incredible quote recently when it talked about you fulfilling the purpose that God has got for your life and what God wants you to do with your life. And this quote said this, that often it is not the absence of difficulty, but the ability to stand up under it that makes the difference. We don't wait till things are easy or comfortable or sound great or we feel like it to worship God. The difference is really made when you don't feel those things, but you engage anyway. That is when uh, God really makes a difference. And you know, I don't know what your difficulty is this morning. It might be that you're just not into worship and you don't engage that much and you really struggle with it. Do you know what? If that's true, that's cool. I'd love to pray for you. It might be that there's something going on at school right now that's really tough. It might be that you're freaking out about your exams. It might be that there's something that's really eating you up. You're really upset and angry about something. For some people in this room this morning, I believe they feel guilty about something that's happened. I don't know what your difficulty is, but what I want to say is use worship as a weapon against that thing. As you worship, your circumstances change. As you worship, your eyes fix on Jesus and everything else just fades away into the place that it was meant to be and God begins to deal with that stuff. 
And so I want to invite us to have a time of worship now this morning. But what I want to do is um, I want to ask everyone to stand. And what I would love, I'm just going to wait for, for everyone to, to be up and comfortable. What I would love is if you're someone, I'm going to talk you through what I'm going to do so there are no surprises. In a sec, I'm going to ask for everyone who struggles engaging in worship, or even right now you're just really struggling to engage, to put your hand in the air. Don't do it yet, but in a minute. And no one's going to ask you why. No one's going to go, oh, that's naughty. Nothing like that. We just want this. We want you to be able to use the weapon that God has got for you. And so we want to pray for you. So I'm just going to ask you to pop your hands in the air. Then what I'm going to ask is for people in this room who know that they're passionate about worship, people who, when I said, some people you carry worship, when you think, you know what, I love worshipping, I love it, what I want you to do is I want you guys to try and find someone with their hand in the air and just go and pray for them. And don't ask them why their hand's in the air. We don't, we're just going to pray into it. And all I want you to do is put your hand on their shoulder, boys go to boys, girls go to girls, say, Holy Spirit, help them worship. That's all you've got to do. But whilst that happens, we're going to worship. And we're going to do this for a little while. We're just going to kind of keep going. We've got sort of 10, 15 minutes left. We're just going to keep worshipping. And I want you to bear some of the stuff in mind that I've said this morning as we go into this time. That right now, we're about to hand you a weapon. A weapon that you can use to fight fear, to fight not feeling close to God, to fight feeling bored, to fight... Whatever it is that you've brought this morning, that you're struggling with, to change a circumstance, to be healed, let worship be your weapon this morning. And so, if everyone could close their eyes. If you're someone who really struggles with worship, or you're just struggling right now to worship, could I just ask you to pop your hand in the air while everyone's eyes are closed? If you this morning know you need prayer for this. That's great. Thank you so much for you guys that are putting your hands up. It's really good. just keep your hands in the air now if you're a guy keep your everyone keep their eyes closed if you're a guy who loves to worship you really love to worship could you open your eyes and look at me just if you're a guy who loves to worship okay so we've got someone over here and someone in the back corner could you guys go and just lay hands on on those people and just start to pray for them over this way as well. That's great. Thank you so much. Okay. And what I want you guys to do is just to begin to pray. Holy Spirit, help them worship. Holy Spirit, free them to worship. And if God gives you pictures, put stuff in your mind, and it's something that's positive and encouraging and sounds like the Bible, then I'd love you to share that with them. For the rest of you guys, who have no problem worshipping whatsoever, we are about to have a great time. We're going to go back into worship. And as we worship now, I would love it for you guys who feel you carry worship 
within this time to be praying and say, God, teach me how to use worship as a weapon. So Father God, I thank you so much for this weapon that you've given us. I thank you, Father, that worship is what we were created for. That sung worship releases something incredible. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would release it in this space now. So Jesus, as we worship, let us forget ourselves. That this was never about us, God, and it was always about you. Holy Spirit, capture us. Set our hearts on fire. And Jesus, let us use your worship as a weapon to fight for you. Amen.